today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but I can. Is that what he said? No. He gave glory to God right away. He said, look, these these guys can't do this. But there is a God in heaven, king, that can do that. He didn't take the credit for himself. My God reveals secrets, and he's the one that's made known to me, King. Nothing is impossible for God. This truth is made abundantly clear in today's message. As Pastor David continues to examine the book of Daniel, we see the way that God transcends the abilities and tricks of man. Nebuchadnezzar's request for someone to guess and then interpret his dream was impossible for man. But God knew his heart and mind because Daniel placed his faith in him and gave him the glory. He enabled Daniel to do what no other man was capable of. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Daniel chapter 1 as he continues his message, Visions for the Times and for the Future, part 1. young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Down in verse 20, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus, Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, again, 10 times. Is that because they ate broccoli? It just made them smarter? I don't think so. I mean, it's okay to eat broccoli and it's good. God did this. God gifted them to be able to draw this stuff in, to soak this stuff in. And again, God gifted them to be able to understand these things. Why? Because God was showing that he's stronger than any empire. He's stronger than any logic of man. And so we see, again, God working and moving through this because Daniel would not compromise his life. Neither would the other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter two, moving on. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Of course, that dream comes along and he calls for all of his magicians to come in. I've had a dream. My spirit is anxious within me. I want to know the dream. Not only does he want to know the interpretation of the dream, but he wants to know what the dream is. He wants them to tell him what his dream is. How many of you ever had a dream 
you wake up and you think, man, I had this dream. I know it's kind of a cool dream. I just can't remember what the dream was. I, I have that all the time. And I dream very vivid dreams. And sometimes I wake up and I think, man, I don't know what that was. Well, this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. I think that he woke up. I don't think that he really remembered fully. He wants his magicians, his astrologers, all of his wise guys to come up not only with the dream, but now the interpretation. And then he he tells him in verse five, he says, my decision is firm. If you don't make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you're going to be cut to pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Well, you can imagine these guys, man, they're, they're trying to do the, the swift foot, trying to figure out, okay, come on, uh, what, what, what are we going to say? We can't tell him just something because he'll probably remember really what his dream is and then he'll, he'll know that that wasn't right. So they asked Nebuchadnezzar, what, no, why don't you tell us the dream? We'll give you an interpretation. Well, hey, I could ask any of you here, Tell me your last dream. I'll give you an interpretation of it, okay? No big problem. It may not be right, but I can give you an interpretation. But there's not a one of you in here right now that I'm gonna be able to tell you what you dreamed last night. And that's the sticky situation that these guys found themselves in. So Nebuchadnezzar was beside himself. He says, okay, I'm gonna kill them all. So again, as they go on, the king was, verse 12 says, the king was angry, is very furious. He gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Well, once Daniel found out about this, he says, what's so urgent about the king's decree? They explained it to Daniel. Daniel went in, he asked, verse 16, went in, asked the king to give him time. Then in verse 17, he went to his house made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. God gave him not only the dream, but he gave him the interpretation. Skip over to verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but I can. Is that what he said? No. He gave glory to God right away. He said, look, these, these guys can't do this. But the God, there is a God in heaven, king, that can do that. He didn't take the credit for himself. My God reveals secrets, and he's the one that's made known to me, king. What will be in the latter days? In your dream, the vision's on your head. He he told him all about And again, down in verse 31, you, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you. Its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and its arms silver, its belly, its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So you've got this image, the, the, the head of gold, the chest of silver, the belly and the thighs of, 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 of bronze, the, the legs of iron, and then the feet that were a mixture of iron and, and clay. 
He said, you watched and the stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image of its feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and again became like chaff on the summer threshing floor. Down in verse 36, this is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. Verse 37, he says, you, O king, you are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Again, drawing Nebuchadnezzar's eyes, not to these foreign pagan gods that he's worshipped all of his life. That, that's all he knew. No, Daniel is now pointing him to the one true God. The God of heaven has given you this kingdom, this power, this strength, and this glory. And in essence, he said, hey, you are that head of gold. That, that is you. That's who you are. And as, as it moves down, the chest and the arms of silver, that's, that's another kingdom. The belly, the thighs of bronze, that's another kingdom. The legs of iron, another kingdom. And on and on it goes. Down in verse 40, the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron in as much as iron breaks it in pieces and shatters everywhere. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break into pieces and crush all others. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay, partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. Toes of the feet, partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. And drop on down to verse uh, 45. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, its interpretation is sure. Nebuchadnezzar, man, he fell on the ground. This great king of Babylon falls on the ground flat out before Daniel. This is, this is unheard of. This is unknown for Nebuchadnezzar to fall prostrate before someone else. So here he is before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and an incense and burn incense to him. And then the king answered Daniel and said, truly, your God uh, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. An amazing thing has taken place. God has revealed his might and his power and his strength through Daniel, to King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar now makes this great proclamation. Your God is the God of gods. You know, he is the Lord of kings. Oh, he's the revealer of secrets. He has a head knowledge of who the God of Daniel is. But he doesn't have a heart commitment to him. Because we see right now in chapter 3, he builds this great image of gold whose height, because he was impressed, man, I'm that head of gold, so I'm gonna build something really big and something awesome for me. Oh, man, that God of yours, he is awesome. But he's not committed to him. 
He, he's, he's, he's not gonna bow down to that king. He's still Nebuchadnezzar. He makes this height, uh, uh, this, this image of gold, 60 cubits, it's high, it's width of six cubits. He set it up in the plains. Uh, he called for them to send out words that, hey, that all the satraps, the, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurer, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image. And so the satraps, the administrators, all those guys, and all they came together for the dedication. Down in verse four, a herald cried aloud, if... For to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. You know where this is going. You know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told to bow down, but they said, no, no. Uh, that's an old song I remember from my childhood. They did not bow down. And so Nebuchadnezzar, true to his word, he said, man, I hate this, guys, but I'm gonna have to throw you into a fiery furnace. So he takes and he throws them into the fiery furnace. He tells him, man, come on, we're gonna, we're gonna play the band one more time just before. We're gonna strike the band up one more time. Come on, guys, just bow down just, just, just bow down, and I won't have to throw you in. And look what he said. They say down in verse sixteen of chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not," and this is the thing that you and I need to understand in in our commitment to Christ. Because too many times, even as I shared Sunday, or this last weekend, so Saturday night and Sunday, there's too many Christians that are, their faith is a convenient faith, as long as it doesn't cost them anything, instead of being a real faith. We see these guys here, they are about to demonstrate the difference between a convenient faith and a real faith. The convenient says, I don't need to worry about it. I know my God's gonna save me. And hey, we'll go for that. But the real faith goes beyond that and says, nevertheless, or but if not, verse 18, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They, 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 they wrote their death sentence right there. They said, we will follow our God regardless. I pray, I, I trust that God is gonna watch over me and my family. I pray and I trust, I believe that, that God sees the situations that we're in and that he, he has a, a, a cover over us, a, literally a, a, a protection over us. We, we pray for his provision, we pray for health, we pray for strength, we pray for direction, we seek his face, uh, we seek his presence in our children's lives and in our grandchildren's lives. But what happens if it doesn't come out the way that we want it? We suddenly say, well, wait a minute. Maybe you're not as strong a God as I thought you were because this happened or because that happened. You see, a convenient faith is there until the answer is different than what you want. But a real faith says, nevertheless, I'm still not gonna go your way, King Nebuchadnezzar. A real faith, as Job says, you know, though he slay me, yet will I serve him.
That's the difference between the two. And these guys, they stood fast. And you know what? They were executed, quote, unquote, okay? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. There's no way they're going to get out of that. As a matter of fact, it says that uh, they were thrown into that furnace. The, the men were bound in their coats, or verse 21, bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments. They were cast in the midst of the furnace because the king's command was so urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire killed the men that, that, that put them in the furnace. They had to get so close that the guys that put them in were, were burnt. They passed, they died. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looks in. He rose in haste, verse 24. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire that by now should have been ashes? They assured him and said, oh, true, O king. Verse 25, he says, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I cannot assure you, I cannot assure you that you won't be burnt in the fire, but I can assure you, if you know Christ, he's gonna be with you right there in the midst of it. I can't assure you that that tomorrow's news is not gonna be devastating to you or to a family member, but I can assure you that the God of all creation already knows tomorrow and he knows the day after, and the day after, and the day after that. And he promises to be with you wherever we end up, and however we end up. And that's the thing that you and I, man, if we, if we don't glean anything else from the book of Daniel, understand that, that God has said, he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. I am with you always pulled him out, not even singed on the garment. Not a hair of their head was singed, nor their garments affected. That's verse 27. Neither was even the smell of the smoke or of the fire was on him. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, here it is again, listen. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks against or anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. Their houses shall be made in Ashim because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And you would think at that point in time that Nebuchadnezzar, man, he would surrender his heart and life to, to the God of Israel. But he still doesn't. He still doesn't. He sees, he has a mental understanding He even acknowledges the greatness of God, but his heart isn't surrendered to him. And how many times in in our life, in our culture, people will even acknowledge the reality of Christ. They'll, They'll acknowledge even the sacrifice of Christ. And they have great head knowledge of the word of God, but they're missing the reality of God by about 18 inches from the head to the heart, because they've never really surrendered their lives wholly and completely. 
This is the story I see of Nebuchadnezzar, but this is the story I think also, and I know that I hit it hard this last weekend, but this is the story I see of the Western church, that we are so comfortable in our Christianity. There's no pressure on us that we have become great head servants, but not fully and completely heart servants. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream and has another sign. This is the vision of verse 10. This is the vision of my head while on my bed. I was looking, behold, a tree in the midst of the garden. Great height, the tree grew, was strong, reached the heavens, seen to the ends of the earth. The leaves were lovely, fruit abundant. There was food on it. The beast, the field of man, they found shade under it, the birth. It was just this awesome, awesome tree. Verse 13, I saw in the vision while on my bed that there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit, lest the beasts get out from, uh, get out from under it and the trees from its branches. And so again, they, 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 they cut it down. Verse 16, let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision was by decree of the watchers, the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the most high rule, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And he gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of dreams. That's the dream I had. Daniel, what does it mean? Daniel gave the interpretation down verse 20. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, all the lovely things, the abundance, the beasts and everything, down in verse 22, that's you, O king. You've grown, you've become strong. Your, your greatness has grown, reaches to the heavens, your dominion to the end of the earth. The Babylonian empire was so persuasive over that whole area of the world at that time. And as much as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down, saying, chop it down, he says, Verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts in the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with dew of heaven. Seven times shall pass over you till you know, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And as much as they gave the command to leave the stump and the root of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. And yet he didn't. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, in other words, about a year later, he's walking around the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke and he says, look at all this stuff I've done. What a great guy. What a great, powerful guy I am. Verse 31, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it's spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. 
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.